0: You're listening to the Grace Covenant Statesville Audio Podcast. So this morning, we're, we're, uh, if you've been with us here the last few weeks, you'll, you'll probably recall that we're in the, the last installment of a three-week series we're dealing with. We're talking on money. Um, and it's a, money and, and giving and, and finance is a very popular topic in the Bible. It's talked about a lot. Jesus talked about it a lot in his talks, in his parables, and, and in his lessons to his disciples. The, the, the topic of money came up a lot. Um, and we, made, we discussed the fact that mo- how we handle our money is a direct reflection of our spiritual maturity. That there is a direct correlation to how we handle money and our faith. And uh, so we really, to separate them, is just really not, it's not appropriate, and it really doesn't help you um, to look at it that way. And so we wanted to uh, come at it from that perspective. And the first week, we took kind of a general overview of how God looks at money, and that primarily it's a tool for us to use. God owns everything. He owns everything. It's all His. And so what we have is not for us to accumulate and to acquire a lot of things, but it's for us to use to advance his purposes and to advance uh, his kingdom. And then the second week, we talked about the idea of financial freedom, that money, we should not be in bondage to money, um, nor should we be in bondage to the pursuit of money. Money is a tool, we control it, it should not control us. And so we looked at that a little bit. And today we're going to talk about this act of tithing, um, giving 10% to God. Now, who can tell me where in the Bible do we first hear about giving back to God? I, I'm here. No, I don't in the universe. Okay, Melchizedek? Abraham? No, before then? Cain and Abel. All the way back to Genesis chapter. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Four. Shoot, I thought I had that. Um, Genesis chapter four, Cain and Abel. You remember the story where one offers a, a sacrifice of his, of his produce and the other one offers a sacrifice of, a, of an animal? One's acceptable, one's not. But back then, literally the second generation, there's this idea, I mean, I mean second generation of creation. I mean, so at the very beginning, this idea of giving back to God what he's given to us has been part of our human DNA. Um, so, way back then, so that's, that was discussed. And then in Genesis 14, some of you mentioned this, we see this idea of Abraham um, when he was, um, some roving marauders came and they attacked them and took stuff and they were reattacked. And so they were victorious and they were on their way back. Um, and he met a priest named Melchizedek, and Abraham gave him 10% of the spoils. And so a lot of people point to that as the, the inauguration, if you will, of the installation of tithing, except for this one thing. God never dictated that. We don't know why Abraham gave him 10%, and we don't see anywhere else in Scripture that Abraham did that again. It was almost like this is a one-time you know, thanksgiving offering or a goodwill offering um, on the part of, of, of Abraham. But, you know, so we didn't even know who Melchizedek was. The priesthood hadn't even been established yet. So this priest, who was he? We don't know that. So there's a lot of mystery around that. So, yes, this idea of a tithe is, is, is first told, talked about there. but We really know what it meant. That It's not until we actually get into the book of Leviticus and Moses and the Israelites when we first hear about the institution of tithing. And here, the Israelites have been wandering around the wilderness for 40 years, and they're about to enter the promised land. And God is preparing them and saying, all right, when we get here, things are going to change. For the last 40 years, I've been with you in a cloud, and you know, in a, in this pillar of fire, and I inhabit your presence here, and things are going to change a little bit. Once you get in there, you're going to have this tabernacle, and I'll stay there, but we're going to have priests. And, and so there's this elaborate, elaborate uh, religion that's created about what this looks like. And the priests and, and sacrifices. And we actually, at that point in time, God in, installs, if you will, um, three different tithes. I don't know if you know that. It's not just one. There's three different tithes that are talked about. One is called the, the, the Levitical tithe, or the Levite tithe. They bring in 10% of their income, the people do, and the Levites keep that as part of their wages. They're the priests. They were not allowed to work outside to, to, to farm and harvest or have herds. They were, they were maintained and kept by um, the, the tithes that were, people were brought in. So that was one tithe. There's also, in Deuteronomy, we find this idea of a festival tithe. Certain times of the year, people were required to bring in a tithe in commemoration for a certain event or activity that was going on. And then, every three years, they also had this called a tithe to the poor. So what's really interesting, when you actually go back and look at this, the Israelites didn't tithe 10%. Actually, if you, you figure out the numbers, it actually was closer to 22% of their income that the Israelites tithe over the course of the year. So that's interesting um, as we think about that. But tithe is actually, that word, it's a Hebrew word. It literally just means tenth. It means it's a 10% idea. And the Israelites, I mean, mean, most of us are pretty aware, it was an agrarian society. They were shepherds. Once they got into the promised land, they were farmers. They raised crops. And so the tithe was always about the the reflection of of bringing in produce or bringing in your first fruits is the word that's used then. But it was your harvest. It was your animals. It was your um, 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 crops and then your um, herds of whatever animals you might have been keeping at that time. And so that was part of what God was installing. There was not this idea of cash. You don't read about cash being exchanged or people bringing in their offerings, at least in the Old Testament. We get that more in the New Testament, um, but but not in the Old Testament when it was first established. Tithing was Israel's moral obligation in order for God to bless the work of their hands. It was a law. They had a moral obligation to tithe. And the problem became, though is that shortly, at, not too long after they came into Israel, and, and for a couple generations, things were going right, great. Uh, but then over time, the people stopped tithing. And that's where we're going to pick up with our verse here this morning. And so on your screens, you should see uh, Malachi chapter 3. You can follow along with me um, or on a device if you have one, if that's easier to read. Uh, Malachi chapter 3. It's funny, you never longer say Bible on your device. You know, so whatever that might look like. But uh, all right. I, the Lord, do not change. So you, O descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your forefathers, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how do we rob you? And tithes and offerings, you are under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have enough room for it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not cast their fruit, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Um, Father, as we dig a little further into this issue of tithing, um, and we uh, dig a little bit more into this, this passage, I ask, Father, for insight, for wisdom, and Father, may you speak to our hearts what we need to hear, and may we have, Lord, the openness and may we be receptive to whatever that might be. So we commit this time to you, Lord, in Jesus name. Amen. So as we're reading here, the Israelites were literally under a curse from God because they were withholding their tithe um, from Him. Now notice, I don't know if you recall the, in that passage, he doesn't condemn them for being greedy. He doesn't say, you're selfish people, you're so greedy. What does he appeal to? He says, test me in this. What's that an indication of? Trust. There is fear. There is something that's going on. God says, ah. he says, test me in this. This issue of, you know, if for, for us, if it was us, it was like, wait a minute, if I give this to you, will I have enough in case something happens? Or if I give this to you, will I have enough for retirement? Or if I have enough, or if I give this to you, what if there's not enough left for me to pay my bills? And that's what was going on here with the Israelites. It wasn't so much this fact of they were just being selfish and greedy. It was a fear issue, a trust issue that was going on with them. The irony we're talking about this Um, The idea of tithing is a very good case can be made that tithing no longer applies to us here in the 21st century. Um, Tithing was commanded as part of the law of Moses. Okay? We're no longer under the law, we're under grace. Okay? That's interesting. Huh? Okay, keep moving. (laughs) In Matthew, Jesus even affirms tithing. As he's talking to the Pharisees and he says, you know what, yes, you should be tithing, but don't neglect the poor. And and so he he ties tithing to their behavior and he affirms it. Okay, now that's interesting. So the idea here, and the reason why he does that is because they were still under the law. The Pharisees at that time, they were still under the law. The new covenant had not yet been established. So, all right, now the new covenant has, so are we now... Does that change things? And Here's something. The New Testament doesn't even talk about tithing. The New Testament talks about being generous. generous. And, and Paul talks about that a lot. But here's, here's the thing that we need to keep in mind. For most of the cases, the most of the, the talk about being generous in the New Testament is they're talking to Jews. Generosity didn't begin until 10%. If you're under the law and you're giving, you have to give 10%. To give up to 10%, that's not generous. That's just you fulfilling your obligation. Generosity starts at 11% and going up. And so people say, well, I don't want to be under the law. I want to be under the new new covenant. Okay, that starts at 10% and goes up. (laughs) Is that what you want? I don't know. I'll be okay. So they want to revert back to... (laughs) So if we're not legally or morally bound, so let's just let's leave that one hanging there for a minute, all right? And, and, and I'll be really honest. I, I, I could, you know, in high school you have to have debate teams and one team, you get assigned a, a part. I could play both these parts, and I feel I could do it well because there's something there. And I'm, I'll come to that here, I'll, I'll, I'll circle back to this here in a little bit. But, but let's just play with the idea that what if we're not legally and morally bound, to to fulfill tithing, that there's not this law thing. Why should we honor God with tithing? If it's not a legal thing or if it's not this obligation, why would we even want to do this in the first place? So there's a few things that I think that would be useful for us to look at uh, this morning. One is that tithing is a statement of priority. God is first. Exodus tells us, Bring the best of the first fruits of your soil to the house of the Lord your God. Even Proverbs tells us, um, and Solomon in his writing says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. The idea here is that it's first. God comes first. Um, When I was working on my uh, uh, doctorate for those number of years, uh, there were many times when I was unavailable to Betsy. You know? many evenings spent up in my study, many weekends where we didn't go do something fun, um, or she went by herself, or she went without me to do different things because I was doing research and writing. Um, That didn't always go over well. (laughs) We had a number of conversations over that time period, you know, is this my life now? No, no, no. This is just a season. Hang with me here. We're, we're going to be okay. But, but she didn't feel valued and appreciated. Literally in that period of time, there were times when, from a priority standpoint, some of my schoolwork had a more priority, high priority than she did. At least that's how it made her feel. Um, and that was a very valid feeling for her to feel that way. She didn't feel valued and appreciated because she wasn't getting my best. She was getting what was left over. That's what God is saying to us here. When we just give God what's left over, that's telling him, yeah, if I have some, you can have that, but it's not a priority. And that's what we're saying to God when we do that. And so tithing is a statement of our priority. The second thing is that tithing is also an act of trust and faith. As you honor God with the first part of your income. You are trusting God to meet your needs. Verse 10 says, again, I refer to this, he says, trust me in this. Nowhere else in the Bible does God say this. Nowhere else in the Bible, in any other context or topic, does God say, trust me. It's in this topic of giving that he says this. Have you ever uh, been in a pool and trying to coax a child to jump in (laughs) You know, and uh, come on, I'll catch you. You can do it. No, you know, and they're, come on, you can do this. And no, what if you drop me? And, you know, no, I won't drop you. I'll catch you. Come on. And, and I won't miss you. You can do it. I kind of get this sense that's what God is saying to us. You know, you know, it's funny in this first part of the passage that we just read, God clearly comes across as being angry. But it's almost like he gets to this point and says, come on. You know better. You know I'm not going to drop you. You can do this. I will catch you. Test me. See what'll happen. God's track record of catching us is probably much better than some of us catching kids in slippery kids in pools. <laughs> but this is what God is telling us. He said, "Come on, you can do this. Tithing is not a money issue. It's a trust issue. Will we trust God to be true to his word and faithful to bring the provisions that we need? So tithing is a statement of priority. Tithing is an act of trust and faith. Tithing is also an act of obedience. Leviticus 27 tells us this. Leviticus, or I'm sorry, Matthew 23 is when Jesus was talking to the Pharisees. And uh, we see him talk about that as being an act of obedience. Remember, um, I mentioned a little earlier that you know, Jesus' conversation in here will, tells us that he affirms tithing, and that's what we, we should also be doing that as the implication. So here's my question. Why would Jesus affirm a behavior that he knows is going to soon be obsolete? If He, knows, he even said, I'm here not to condemn the law, but to fulfill it. Basically, he knew of the transition coming up. Why would he affirm that practice of tithing when he knew that from a legal standpoint it would no longer be used against them? Part of it is, I think he was just he was talking to Pharisees, and so he was using their language to talk back to them. But I also think it comes back to this matter of obedience. Law or not, what is, are we going to be obedient in what we see in, what we see in Scripture? 1 Samuel Um, chapter 16, David is talking, he says, uh, I'm sorry, the, the prophet is talking to David and he says, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the voice of the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice and to heed is better than the fat of rams. God wants not just our hearts or he wants our hearts, not just our actions. Just wasn't just. He doesn't want us just to do the things. He wants our hearts as well. Tithing is an act of obedience. Tithing is also an act of worship. Over the years, I've wrestled with where do we put the offering. It just sometimes it just doesn't seem to fit. It's uh, you know there's, there's um, sometimes we put it up front. You know, let's just kind of get it over with. You know, um, except for the fact that too many people come in late and they miss it. And it's all right, so you can't do that. <laughs> all right, let, and I've been in some services and churches, in fact, that we uh, well, our churches, we actually put it at the very end, after the sermon. You know, and so at the very end, but that just, what that does is that, that you're not able to have ministry time after that then. All right, if you just, if something's happening, you're calling for response and, okay, everyone put that aside we 're going to take the offering. you know I just created that disconnect that didn 't work all the time and I actually we were part of a church where we just got rid of the offering altogether. We put offering boxes in the back, and you just give you know coming in going whenever it worked you know here 's the thing we didn 't see the the, the giving didn 't decrease then you know it was really interesting to see that the giving stayed the same in fact, actually, it went up for a while i don 't know if people know precious so we can do that, but uh, what, what, what we've, here at Grace, we've settled on, actually, obviously where we, we put it, right after the singing of, of worship, and, and a lot of it is because we look at this as a continuation of worship. Giving is an act of worship. It's not supposed to be this one-off thing for the organization to keep the, the lights on. It literally is meant to be an act of worship. And so, yes, it's appropriate that we lift our voices and sing and express our hearts to the Lord. But giving is the most tangible, practical form of worship there is. It says, God, we honor you. We acknowledge you with our money, with our finances. Um, Because of our day and age, we're not bringing in our crops and produce and You know, we don't have the sheep pen out there to to hang out of the feet, or the the sheep. but so you understand that the the currency, or the the economy has changed, and so the the approach has changed as well. But giving is as much an act of worship as anything else we do. Worship is simply an expression of reverence. It's an expression of reverence. So when we sing, we're expressing a perception of reverence. Giving should have the same thing. It's an expression of reverence to the Lord for what he's done. Lastly, giving, I'm sorry, tithing opens our lives to God's blessing and protection. There are two direct benefits to tithing. Verse 10 tells us that God's blessing will be more than you can contain. And then verse 11 tells us God's protection will guard you and your things. <clears throat> That's my paraphrase, that and your things there, but... uh have you ever gotten to a place in life where it's like, we've got a little breathing room here, you know, just like financially, and uh, the transmission goes out in the car, <clears throat> you know, or somebody gets sick, and all of a sudden we've got medical bills, and it's like, we were all, you know, just, and all of a sudden you've got all these bills piling up, and just it just does this number on us, and um, so that, what we see in verse 11 here is God says, "I will prevent things from happening. By giving, you allow me to provide that protection to you and for you." you know, so in the, the exact words, He says, "He will prevent the pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe." So again, for us, you know, we don't have crops. Wow, some of you might. Um, <laughs> And you know, we we're not necessarily farmers. Most of us aren't. We're not an agrarian society. You know, God was obviously talking to people in terms that they would understand. Today, he would say, I'll keep your car running a little longer. Or I'll protect you from financial ruin. A <clears throat> couple thoughts on, on this idea here. Tithing isn't a formula for success. Okay, you cannot use it as a way to manipulate God. I'm going to give, now God, you have to do this. And that's not, again, tithing is about what I've just talked about for a number of reasons. It's an act of obedience, it's an act of worship, it's an act of appreciation, and that should be our motive for doing it. We do not give to get. However, as we tithe, we position ourselves to be blessed by God. The second thought is this. There's absolutely no way to measure the benefits of tithing. You know, It talks about the, the opening up of the heavens and the blessing there. How do we know what's... My son asked me this one. How do I know that's God or just life? You know what I mean? It's just... I mean, when we say, well, everything's from God. Yes, but there's no way to... It's not like it, you know, the blessing comes with a note. Hey, this is for me. You know, it just kind of happens in life. Um... Nor do we know what he's kept from us. Again, we, get, we don't get this report at the end of the day. Hey, remember when you crossed the intersection? I kept that other car from running a red light. We, we don't know what's going on, and so we go through life kind of not sure: is this really worth it? Is this really matter? Is this really making a difference? How do we know if tithing really works? I just think we each each of us needs a story. We need a story. And let me tell you our story. Now, I apologize for some... I've only been about eight, nine months, and I'm, I'm repeating a story I know I've told last fall. So I apologize to those who are hearing this. It's like, really? Nine months? He's repeating stories already? But <laughs> it fits, and it needs, it needs to be told. So this is early on in our marriage. We've probably been married about a year, um, not, not that long. And... Um, there was some circumstances that I just don't need to go into, but we were, um, we had not been paying tithe. It was just a season of life that we just wouldn't have been paying tithe. And, and, um, we then transitioned, we moved and uh, I just felt it was like a year later. And, um, you know, so we've moved, we actually were from one place, of the country in another part. And we were now in a place where we needed a second car <clears throat> and, uh, we just did. And we had been saving some money for this. And, and I, you know, at the time, this we probably saved about $3,000, which today is nothing for a car. But back then, that would, that would get you a, a decent car. And um, so just about time, we're starting to go shopping and see what we can get. Um, God brought this back to my mind. And I just felt really convicted that I need to pay that tithe. And so I went back and I added it up and figured out what would the tide be if that's where the king. Guess what it came to? 3000 $3, bucks. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> so I talked to Betsy and she's like, mm, like really. You know, so we're <laughs> <laughs> So we talked about this for a couple of weeks. It wasn't like it was, I mean, we wrestled with this because this wasn't like this was not where we thought things should go and and just I remember it like it was last night. Um, it was a, a Wednesday night. We brought out the check. I remember wrote it, and I mailed it, because uh, I had to, had to go to a different place. I mailed it on my way to the office that Thursday morning. So I, I'm in the, the office of the church, and I'm talking with the youth pastor. Actually, at that point in time, I was an intern at this particular church. So we're just chit-chatting. I'm talking with the youth pastor. The senior pastor just walked through. <clears throat> I mean, literally just walking through stops... And looks over at us and says, hey, someone, I just had breakfast in so-and-so. They just donated a car to the church. Do you know anyone who could use it? I think I do. (laughs) I I, I think I know. It was, was, some of you may remember, it was a Datsun B210, three-speed hatchback. My favorite car I've ever owned in my whole life. (laughs) You had to start it with a screwdriver. I mean, it was the best. It was my favorite car. It was my favorite, favorite car I've ever had. What was really cool, though, I, uh, I called Betsy, and I said, you're not going to believe what happened. And uh, so there's, there's this pause, and I knew I married the right girl when her response was this, what else can we give away? <laughs> so does tithing work? Here's the thing. You'll never convince me not to tithe. That's not your, my story might be helpful to you, but it's not going to convince you. You need your own story. And it may look very different for you. And, but it may just be something, it may not be that was overt. I mean, that was, I mean, really? I mean, mail the check, car shows up. I mean, just, that's kind of, that's kind of obvious. It may not be that obvious, but something in your heart will just click. And you see, you know what? I don't understand all of it, but something is going on here that I can trust And that's the way of God confirming to you in the way that's unique to you that he's trustworthy, that you can trust him in this. You will never be able to convince me not to tithe because of our story. Each of us has a choice to make. We can keep it all and go it on our own, or we can honor God first and have his promises to bless, redeem, and protect our lives. God says we can test him. Now, let me throw this out too. 10% might be too big of a leap of faith for some. Try 3%. Try 5%. I don't think God's offended with that. I think he understands where we're at and what we can deal with. But I think what he's saying is that, come on, you can do a jump. I'll catch you and if i and if he needs to stand in the shallow end and you can jump there as opposed to deep end he's okay with that because what he wants is for you to be able to come be able to trust him more and more and that he is trustworthy Amen. let's pray heavenly father thank you for your word and uh, clearly that the israelites had violated a direct commandment a law that you had given them about tithing and and they no longer were following that and there were significant repercussions father whether wherever we land on this issue of tithing is it something we're legally bound to do there is something in scripture about this correlation between us giving back to you and you providing for us and and blessing us and protecting us and regardless of whether or not we have to tithe lord i'm convinced that there's something really special and unique happens when we enter into that kind of a trust relationship with you. So, Father, my prayer is that for each of us, that we would encounter you in such a very specific way that no one could make us deny your involvement in our life when it comes to our finances. Father, for those who um, um, are tithing, I pray that there would be something, Lord, very soon that would just confirm to them that they're, they're, they're doing what they need to be doing. For others who may not be able to do it or do it inconsistently, inconsistently, Father, I pray that they too would have a sense and experience you, Father, in ways that would just allow them to take that step of faith on a more consistent basis. And Father, for those of us here today who may not be tithing or maybe we give sporadically, Father, I just pray for that courage to take that step, to jump to trust you, whether it be with a a smaller percentage or maybe to take that jump off the high dive and go 10% um, right away. Father, whatever it is, I pray that they would have a sense of your presence, of your guidance, of your protection, of your provision in their life. For Father, you are trustworthy. And Lord, you never go back on your promises. And so Lord, we just trust you and we thank you. Lord, our heart is to uh, continue to follow you in all areas of our life. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.